Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Market? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, Clear Motive Marketing is 15. I wanted to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, Mr. Kent Chapman. How are you doing, Kent? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for coming on uh, Classic Calgary. We met at a breakfast somewhere through a mutual connection, and I was impressed, enthused, and also uh, really curious about the world you live in, which is, I will just call it short, the world of mortgages. So you are the um, broker owner at Mortgage Tree Inc. So let's just start off. What is Mortgage Tree Inc.? What do you guys do? You've been doing that for, I think, like seven, eight years, according to my professional creeping on LinkedIn. So you've been in that role for a while. So tell us a little bit what Mortgage Tree is all about. And let's get into this kind of, I'm going to call it a big, hairy topic. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, lots to talk about with mortgages today. But Mortgage Tree, yes, we've been around since uh, 2016. Um, what we do is we do residential lending um, for people either purchasing, refinancing, transferring uh, their mortgage at the time of renewal, or if they need uh, second mortgages, um, that's a big focus. And we do some small commercial lending as well. Okay. Awesome. Mortgage. What would you say? And you're primarily Alberta, Southern Alberta, Western Canada. What's your geography? Yeah, we're uh, licensed in um, Alberta and Ontario. And uh, we have access right across Canada with our different lenders for clients that uh, need uh, need our help. So just to oversimplify for anybody listening, oh, I can I have to go to the bank for my mortgage. Not the case. There's individuals like you that can take a maybe a different approach. Or is are you the alternative to just going to the bank? And I'm, I'm kind of black and white, making that black and white when it's maybe not. <laughs> Yeah, the I wouldn't call it an alternative. I would say it was a smart way to get mortgage financing. Um, we well deal well with 20, yeah, we deal with over twenty five lenders, and we've got the banks. Yes, that we deal with. We also deal with what are called model lenders, and they strictly just do mortgages only, and you can only get access through us. And we also deal with credit unions and. When you look at an individual for whether they're purchasing, refinancing, doing a transfer, everyone has a unique situation and we can find the right home uh, for your mortgage needs and really be able to explain what mortgages are about um, from rates to options within the mortgage um, for prepayment privileges, how penalties are calculated because people are very excited up front to get a mortgage and they don't really think through what uh, the end game is going to be or what could be around the corner with uh, a disruption in their life where they have to make a change. And then they go to the bank or the lender and they're going, wow, the penalty is this big. I had no idea where our job is to be able to really simplify and go where we're going to get the best mortgage options. That includes uh, the rate for you. It's so easy to look at mortgage. It's just the rate and the timeline. But like what I'm hearing you say, and and also for most of us, this is something you do a couple times in your life, two, three times, maybe like uh, some people maybe on the extreme if it's more from a business perspective. But for many of us, you just don't do it enough to really know all the, the, the nuance or the, the pitfalls if you don't know. 
Exactly. There's a, a statistical fact that you need to ask yourself or be aware of when you get a mortgage. It's when someone gets a five-year term, within within three years, you have about 35% of all those people will break their mortgage. And it's for job loss, um, divorce, illness, um, something comes up that was unexpected. And that's where if you don't plan to get the proper mortgage up front, it can be quite expensive to get out of. 35% in three years. That's a very real number. That's not three, four, it's 5%. A, no. That's a, that, and that's a, as you, as you clarified, uh, that's a fact. <laughs> it is. And, uh, it's mm. something that we talk about clients because when people renew their mortgage or buy, um, or refinance, they're so focused on what the rate is, what the payment is, and they're not really considering what all the options are within the mortgage mortgages that include the the big pitfalls, which is uh, penalties, portability, um, and these are things that really need to be examined up front. Um, one of the the pitfalls that we see are clients just Google best mortgage rate, and then they go to whoever's supplying that, and typically we'll see that for online. Um, uh, brokerages, uh, lenders, but what's attached are things that are not made aware or potentially not even disclosed to the, the purchaser until something happens with the mortgage. Like they didn't know there's additional penalties to break it or, hey, I need a, a statement. It's going to cost you $150. These are things that low, low rate interests, which are called restricted mortgages, um, have uh, a profitability later down the road to the lenders offering them for services that the client will need that they may not be aware of um, at the time they look at that great rate they got. Sounds like uh, buying airline tickets. Oh, I got such a good rate, but no, boy, I, ha- totally. I, ha- I literally have to pay for every single thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting how, from a broad perspective, um, the Canadian mortgage world works. You've got the, the big banks and you have um, monoline lenders that only do mortgages, then you have credit unions. And a lot of the money that flows into the monoline lenders is actual bank money or um, pension money or insurance company money. Um, so I want to look at the, the banks first. Um, with the banks, they offer a rate to all their clients and they've got capital set aside for those monies. And when that capital is not going to be offered to every client because it goes below a certain limit, they can't lend that out. So what they do is they look at putting that money package together and lending it out to monoline lenders. And those monoline lenders offer it at a, a better rate better prepayment privileges and lower penalties because the banks do want that money back first. And that's the the simple way of putting it because once a mortgage gets advanced, it takes a life of its own. It can, it typically will get securitized. It will then be um, sold off into bond funds, mortgage backed securities, but it's the servicing company that you're attached to, um, for that lender is who the face is of um, who, who you, you deal who, with. Who you actually see as the person on the other side of the whatever you might need, whether it's a payment, whether it's $150 for a mortgage statement. You, you hooked me on that one. I'm like, wow, that's the fine print yeah. you, didn't, you didn't read. <laughs> yeah. And what we do is we 
can offer the restricted mortgages, but we choose not to. We go with what's called a fully featured mortgage that's going to allow the client to maneuver through unexpected life events um, at a a reasonable cost to to get out of if they they need be. Um, Mortgages were never this complex 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And today there's so many online offerings that, uh, and you need an expert that only does mortgages um, to be able to help you. Long goes the time where, hey, I want to go on my bank internet site portal and be able to look at my whole portfolio, everything held with that institution. Um, As someone that is um, savvy in wanting to manage their own portfolio, and take advantage of different, uh, better rates, et cetera. Coming to us as a mortgage broker, we have access to all the lenders and you get a portal just like the bank to go in and pull statements, do lump sum payments, look at your mortgage. Um, Long gone are the days where everything's together with one lender. They would like it to be that way, but it is quite a competitive market and there's better options out there. And that access to information that we all have, which can be very dangerous when you, when you don't have all the, even I, I've done this a few times, I've been in business for a while. There's a handful of terms you've already thrown out today that I'm like, Ooh, these are new terms in my vernacular that I have not bumped into because even when I do get involved, it's every three years or five years or I buy a property or, you know, those types of things. Let's talk a little bit about what everyone wants to hear, the rates, what's happening. We'll start there and kind of work our way back through it all. Uh, you understanding know, the complexity. Yeah. What, what are you seeing? What's going on? What's the, what's the crystal ball look like, Kent? <laughs> yeah, the, the crystal ball, um, we have a strong indication that rates are going to come down. And what I want to do is take a step back to 2019, um, because that is where history um, becomes extremely important. At that time, we had prime sitting at 3.95%. And prime is what the banks work off of to lend to clients for variable rates um, on mortgages. And we look at, it was at 3.95. Today, we're at 7.2. When we were in COVID, we got down to 2.45. And when you look at 2.45, historically, will we ever see that uh, again? It hasn't happened in the past. It's going to take something significant like a pandemic for that to ever occur again. And the odds are quite low. Just curious to interrupt you for a second, because I'm looking at a graph that I pulled up this morning. And it was definitely starting to be on the rise when it hit that 3.95. And then you see the clear, if we hadn't have hit COVID, would it have just kind of continued to meander up, but maybe more in a gradual pace? Because that's what it looks like the graph is indicating until you see the the, the fall off the cliff, which we all know what that was. Exactly. So the goal for 2020, if COVID didn't exist, they were predicting that prime was going to go to four and a half percent. We were going to look at fixed rates sitting between four and four and a half percent in that, that range. And COVID came in, it did the complete reverse. Like we got down to 1.44% for a five-year fixed term. Um, And you had prime lending at 2.45 minus 120. So you're getting mortgages close to 1%. I had a variable rate at that time. It was a lovely, lovely time to be alive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But going back to what they were predicting, Rates were on the rise. And the happy point when you look historically for a bank rate to be sitting, not prime, but the bank rate would be around 3%. And then you look at where prime should be sitting would be around 4, 4.5%. And it creates a, a healthy market where we see what 
a prime rate of 7.2% does, it is expensive. And the economy right now, like our um, GDP is sitting at close to zero, and some are expecting it to go into negative uh, coming up in the next quarter. Um, and you look at the tools of why interest rates are where they are today is the Bank of Canada chose to um, fight inflation by raising rates extremely sharply. And when you look at inflation, you look at that is a historical data point. It doesn't predict the future. Um, and when you look at raising interest rates, it takes six months to start to feel within the economy. So when you look at the magnitude of how quickly prime rose, we are feeling the effects of what prime was six months ago. And there's been several hikes since then. So the Bank of Canada is faced with some difficult challenges. They've got so much um, seen so much money coming from the federal government pumping into the Canadian economy. It's pushing inflation up and raising rates is not really being effective with uh, managing inflation. But what it's doing is it's causing the economy to slow down more expensive for, um, for us to borrow, which means that our spending habits are going more towards debt versus buying goods and services mm. that becomes very um you're just going around in circles that with these higher rates it's going to help our businesses that um, are local um, national and you're going to start to see news that um, businesses are going to close and mm. it uh, whether it's in canada or the united states there is a, a big concern that these rates are really going to take a bite out of um, small business. Yeah. How are we just curious? Cause we're getting into a bit of the more of the macro conversation, the, yeah. the, the South of the border, I was reading some economists the other day and they're still predicting some additional rate hikes. They're still predicting slowdowns, but kind of to your point, it's a bit of a broken, we've got increased rates over here, but yet the job market is still holding strong. Like it's a, it sounds like a bit of a mess that isn't as, Oh, we'll raise rates and it'll eventually cool the economy. It doesn't feel like that's working that way. Either here or in the yes. U.S. yet, yet. <laughs> yeah, some of the, the the matrices that you look at is you here in the states with raising rates. Yeah, the the job uh, creation continues. Um, the United States being so much larger than Canada that when the U.S. catches, I always say, catches um, a cold their economy things yeah. slow down we get pneumonia yes I've and heard that we're before. like majorly <laughs> majorly hit um but what you're starting to see is that um parts of the u.s are slowing down with these higher rates okay. um then you see other sectors in the united states that are not really being affected but it are reasons why inflation uh, is uh, is growing um one of the factors that comes into play is that how are people affording this? There is so much equity because prices have risen all through North America on the residential side. Uh, people are refinancing their debt, but they still have access to unsecured debt, credit cards, lines of credit, that they want to maintain that lifestyle. So we're seeing that debt load grow, and then we're getting it refinanced, uh, refinanced out through the, the mortgage side for existing homeowners. So it's like this vicious circle that um, people are not willing to give up their lifestyle and will access credit to maintain it. 
But we've seen these home is, we've seen these home values rise. Again, the on paper home values of well, your house is now worth this, so we'll loan against to deal with that debt. Ugh. It feels that starts to look that gets turns. It feels like a house of cards pretty quickly. We've seen versions of this before, right? <laughs> yeah. So what you're starting to see in the mortgage world is um, you're going to see extended amortizations going back. Yeah, to early 2000s, the insurers introduced. 30-year amortizations and 35, and then all the way up to 40 years. And then in 2012, they started pulling these um, back, mm-hmm. and it was the fallout of the 2008 financial crisis that uh, impacted uh, the world. Um, so they said, hey, we'll better manage mortgages and reduce amortizations, increase qualifying rates. So when if rates do rise, people will be able to um, qualify. So let's bring it to today. So with higher mortgage rates, um, lenders are now going to be looking at offering 35-year amortizations, 40-year amortizations. We're heading back there is what you're saying, just to try to stretch it out to make the payments doable, right? Mm. Exactly. And how long that will last, we'll we'll, we'll see. But another um, point that uh, just got released by um, OFSI that regulates the the banks and some of the lenders in Canada um, is that when your mortgage comes up for renewal, that we can qualify you based on the rate that you're getting as we move your mortgage over to a new lender, where previously you had to be either 2% above the rate you got or a minimum of 5.35%, whichever was greater or the the benchmark. Um, This are signs that the lenders, the government are recognizing that we don't want a massive um, default ratio to come into the market. So we're going to allow extensions of amortizations to lower payments to offset the higher interest rate costs. Um, to the consumer, yes, you get a lower payment, but you're not paying your debt down. Yeah, that principle you're stays the same. Extending that. You're just yeah. paying the privilege of, of, of funding the cost of the mortgage, not the actual principle itself. <laughs> exactly. So you look at the original question where rates are going. Um, we saw this rapid increase and we're starting to see the bond rate that controls five-year uh, money. Mm-hmm. So the five-year bond, uh, five-year bond rate in Canada controls the five-year fixed rate. Um, variable mortgages are separate because that's linked to the bank rate. And what we're seeing in the bond rate is it's starting to come down. We have been as high as 4.39%. And now today, we're at 3.8%. And this fell over the last uh, 10 days. And it is because of news that the economy has reached a peak where interest rates are. And you have, such as Benjamin Tall at CIBC, he spoke at um, a national lender conference, mortgage broker conference in Toronto a few weeks ago. And he's expecting this bond rate to drop 2% by uh by next year which is uh, and we'll have a direct correlation to mortgage rates mm-hmm. exactly okay. and we've already started to see a quarter point drop uh more than a quarter point uh drop with uh, the bond rate and we look at what our lenders have done they had rates for high ratio sitting at 5.94 and those same lenders from uh, two weeks ago offering that rate are today at 5.64 Okay, and so you're already seeing some movement to kind of support that direction. Hmm. 
Yeah. So I look at it from a strategy standpoint, um, our role as a mortgage broker is we have to um, not give advice, but we have to be neutral to share the information to allow the consumer to make that that choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't dictate what they should uh, should have. But when you look at the news of um, the bond rate falling, the and you look at the potential of the bank rate coming down next year, timing when you want to lock in to a mortgage of whether it's one, two, three, four, five, you're married to that and it's expensive to get out. But if you're in a variable mortgage, you can float as rates come down. But when you feel comfortable, when you're at that certain expectation of rate you want to lock into, you can convert that into a fixed rate mortgage for five years um, with, uh, with your current lender at no cost. So from a strategy standpoint, when you think about hearing rates fall, if you lock in today, will you have buyer's remorse? We'll call it. <laughs> borrower's um, remorse. Yeah, totally. Borrower's remorse. That, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's, that's, that's a real a thing. I, to, I, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to predict what the future is. Say rates do the complete opposite. The variable people pay more. Yeah. But if rates come down, then you pay less in the, the variable rate option. Um, it, so it becomes what your risk tolerance is. And do you want to get your five-year fixed rate and stay away from mortgages, not think about rates till it comes up for renewal? Or do you want to be more attentive to where mortgage rates are and watch the thresholds come down and lock in when your risk is there. And that is the the, the number one topic for clients today. And sense. lenders are smart. So people go, well, what about a one-year fixed term, two-year fixed term, three-year fixed term? Those rates are significantly higher than the five-year. Yeah, you're always and you're going to pay a premium yeah. for the privilege, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you look at the variable rate, the variable rate is very close to what those one, two, three, <laughs> four year rates are. So, you know, my advice is that you really need to take a step back and look at what your risk tolerance is. And if you're willing to follow rates and uh, look at uh, the variable side and choose the and right then decide when you that. want to lock in. So yeah. I'm curious in your role as what you do in your business, are you kind of like my investment advisor that way? That's a weird comparison, but I'm thinking about, am I responsible for staying on top of this? Or do I partner with your firm and say, here's what I want to do. You like, to your point, you don't give advice, but you present information, which I appreciate that. Here's the information we recommend. Well, sorry, we see this. You can do what you want, but we'll reach out to you in six months or you should reach out to us in six months. I'm just curious for someone who's really listening to understand like what what does that relationship look like and do I have to have notifications in my calendar to remind me to go check if I'm not kind of bent that way and I don't look at mortgage rates daily, which many of us don't. Yeah. Um, what we do is we initiate the mortgage and secure that right up front. And then we stay in touch with the clients Mm -hmm. over the five-year period or whatever duration they're a client of Mortgage Street. And we do that through newsletters that we indicate where rates are, big announcements that come out. Exactly. And that will work for clients to kind of get a, a pulse with what's happening. But if you really want to dig deeper into it, it is very much on the consumer's um, side to put in um, put in their uh, 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 calendar. Hey, 
I'm going to follow up in six months or three months, or maybe I listen to the news when the Bank of Canada makes their announcement on uh, if they're raising or decreasing rates. But the thing is, they can call us anytime, and we will be able to give them a pulse of what's happening in the market at that time because we have information that is not readily available to the average consumer. Um, you know, Google is a very powerful thing. It can also be very misleading and we will be able to really simplify the information of what we're, we're seeing. Um, so my advice is when you're getting a mortgage, you should really hook up with someone that has a lot of experience. They're, they're knowledgeable in the industry and they can uh, simplify to you what's happening in the the market you know i've been in this industry 32 years now and uh, i'm in it for another 20 years um <laughs> because it, it's so much fun and it's uh, i got that impression we first met him like, this, this guy loves you know? what he this guy loves what he does that's why i reached out to you yeah so hey curious yeah. a little bit now not even the crystal ball anymore but just what you're seeing because you're based in calgary uh you're in ontario as well which is interesting just the dichotomy of what's happening in the in the residential market in those two places but what are you seeing happening like is is this holding people back this, has this increase in rates slowed down because in calgary i'm hearing we don't have enough inventory there's there's wars in the street for that 600 to seven hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollar house range what are you seeing actually going on kind of day to day yeah you know um i like to use the analogy of you've got um, uh, a sand shaker and the sand higher in this bowl is um, the Toronto, Vancouver markets and higher meaning the price point for houses. And you look at, okay, people are feeling the pinch there. And through COVID, you have a lot of people that are able to relocate, work from home. And we're seeing this progression where you start shaking this bowl of sand and it starts leveling (laughs) out because people want to move from these more expensive cities and come to um, Alberta to be able to um, have a lower price point so they can have a better cost of living. The trade-off is we have colder weather. Um, (laughs) Toronto Toronto can be very cold in the middle of January. Let's not not overlook a windy day coming off the lake is not awesome in downtown Toronto. And then I, yeah. that, that's so, when I fly the Chinook yeah. flag and say, oh, by the way, it could be plus 10 here, by the way. <laughs> exactly. So you look yeah. at that's one of the one of the reasons um, Fair enough. You, cost of living is lower here. But another another factor is we've got so much immigration coming into Canada yeah. and they're looking at, OK, where can we move to be able to uh, afford get the lifestyle get, that get a, we a, came to hole. Canada for? So when you look at our price point in um, in uh, Calgary or Alberta being lower than these other provinces, yeah, it makes sense to come. And that's what we're seeing. And we're seeing um, these bidding wars, we'll call them, or being sold for over list um, on price points from the 200,000s up to the 700,000s. And as a consumer and some advice, if you're looking in the market, you want to make sure you come and get a full pre-approval. So when you make that offer, ready. you're going to know that you're, you know what you can afford if you get into a bidding war. Um, but I do think that Alberta's economy is doing better than other parts of uh, Canada. Um, we have a lower price point and, uh, it's very entrepreneurial in Calgary. And this is the comments that we hear when people come to, to live here. It's less expensive. 
um, better quality of life, less traffic. Like these are other things that come into the factor of why we're growing. Well, especially if you're, if you're comparing traffic from Toronto and Vancouver, Calgary doesn't have traffic in contrast to those two cities. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Do you see, do you see a lot of people not getting approved for the level they want? Is there a leveling of expectations of like, oh, we want to buy the 800,000 home, but when they come in, they go through the process like, well, you're only going to get approved for X. Like, cause that was also part of a little bit, the side effect of some of this uh, unintentional or intentional cooling of the housing market, which whether working or not working, not maybe in Alberta to lower and keep this under control a little bit. Are you seeing that? Or is that, is that, is that, is that through line coming through to the actual purchase? It, that's a great question. When you look at the average consumer, their wants and needs <laughs> can be two different things. Okay. Yeah. But what we find is that the wants exceed what the the needs are so yes it's more expensive to um to buy a house but what is different on those needs being met today or those wants uh the wants and the needs being met together is we're seeing a huge transition of wealth from parents to children in the way of gifts um, because those parents have paid their mortgages down had huge uh, price appreciation in their um in their house and they're refinancing to take money out or they're selling and they've got a bunch of cash and they are giving it to their kids to be able to To give them the down payment. So when we have clients coming to us, they're asking us, okay, what is the the max mortgage we can afford? What is going to be comfortable um, with a lower mortgage? Um, And then they go to family members to ask for, funds as a gift and that is what we are seeing to be very heavily uh, weighted in today's um, purchasing decision that's interesting well that transfer of wealth is real and you run into it almost everywhere but you're seeing it in real like the hard facts of yeah i can afford x but the deposit is the swing i don't maybe have haven't accumulated the 100 or 200 or whatever that it is but there's a family that's like well we're gonna have a we're good till when we expire or pass away or whatever the number is why don't we let our family enjoy some of that now which i'm reading some a lot of theories about even saving it all up until you're until you pass away why not put it into play to the younger generation when they need it for something like a home purchase so you're seeing that in real exactly time. yeah yeah we are Um, Hmm. And then you have people that don't have that liberty and their expectations of buying a certain price point, they're having to pull back. Um, And we're seeing more pressure on the lower price units or houses in uh, Calgary because of that. And you add um, people coming to Calgary or Alberta um, from other provinces just adds to that pressure in the housing market. So yes, we've seen, price appreciation in Alberta, not significant because rates have offset that. But what you're seeing is that when properties go up for sale, they do get purchased if they're reasonably priced. You know, and you're also seeing a $500,000 house in Calgary is close to a million dollar house in Vancouver, just to oversimplify, but that's not that far off, right? (laughs) Maybe not exactly double, but it's pretty close. (laughs) Yeah. When you look at a, a Vancouver mortgage payment, that would be uh, seven thousand a month, and you can come to Alberta and you can drop it to four thousand a month and get something bigger and better. All of a sudden, hey, can we move there? Like yeah, those are those are the questions that go through people's uh, people's minds. And, you're, and, you're, um, and your job and, says, sure, you can work wherever. We don't we don't we don't mind as long as you've got a good internet connection and you're uh, yeah. 
So interesting. Yeah. Are you seeing, and I was, I was listening to, uh, what is it? Uh, the end of the world is just the beginning by Peter Zion. He's talking a lot about demographics and deglobalization and kind of what's happening, but he really talks a lot about birth rates and the drive to, you know, from the baby boomers and the two income households and as we work through the millennials and his prediction of future generations looking at like, no, 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 we don't want it. We don't need it to, we don't want a two income household. We want to have higher wage earning power for one, maybe better quality of life, family, different things. Are you seeing, a trend around people wanting to qualify with only one uh, income stream, or is it still two incomes required to kind of play in the space? And I'm kind of going out on a fringe a little bit because I've been listening to this book, so it's, yeah. getting, it's getting in my head a little bit. <laughs> we we haven't reached that point, okay. But what we have seen is the reverse, where we have let's live in a bigger house and we'll have two families live in. It. Ah, yeah. So okay. we have more applicants Multi generation. Exactly. And, you know, that's not unique to other parts of the world. Um, it's, well, it's more, more unique. It's actually Canada. unique. It's unique here that we're not like that, I would say, compared to other parts yes. of the world. Yeah. So we are, we are seeing that now. We're might, we might have two or three families living together, hmm. um, but they're buying a house that is, is bigger so they can live, um, live, live comfortably in it. Um, there are some monster houses. My buddy lives out in Bear Spa and just driving around that community, the size of homes that are on a lot that the house fills the, but you're talking about a 10,000 square foot home and with multi-generations moving in. And it's just, it's an interesting when you see the home, but you're like, that's not a, that's not a retiree couple with kids moved out. That is, that is three generations living there potentially. Exactly. The other thing that we see is that we're doing renovations for um, rental suites uh, because we can use that to help with the qualification and builders are building place their new homes with legal suites in them because we can use those rents to qualify people to move in. And that is becoming a lot more common. Um, and you'd have to remember illegal suites, we can't use that in that revenue, but legal suites we can. And these are, things that the the savvy consumer looks at to be able to get to where their wants are that their needs will will follow because they have someone else helping support the the mortgage payment are we also you know we're talking very much about western canada or north america for that matter but when you look at some other parts of the world like Europe's had generational mortgages. I've read about, you know, how different it is there versus the cost and just to even get access to own property. Are, are we just kind of working our way through our cycle? We've just got such landmass here. I know it's, it's never, it's hard to compare. <laughs> We've got so much yeah. space. We have so much space <laughs> compared to so many countries in Europe. <laughs> yeah. What I see is that we will not necessarily see, um, mortgages that come to a never never end like you have uh in in europe but what we'll see is an extension of amortizations okay. and an acceptance that it is more normal to do that um when i look at where rates are going um and i think we're headed back to pre-covid um rates and yes prime was going to move up to four and a half percent um, till COVID came and it didn't, but we are so above that right now. Yeah. Um, there is an expectation that it would make sense for them to fall and come in line when things start to normalize. And part of that is having inflation brought under control, um, which it is definitely doing that. Cause I want to put a point on inflation in a second here. Um, but People can only pay so much for so long, and then the pendulum will start to balance 
where it's a happy medium and it will naturally happen within uh, within the economy. Um, when you look at how inflation is measured, it's based on looking at historical uh, data. And when you remove out the housing cost increase, that's part of that inflationary um, formula data. And you also remove out the taxation on the, the carbon end for gasoline, et cetera. Inflation is well below 2%. And that's where the government said they wanted it to be in order to drop rates. So it's a self-prophesized situation <laughs> that we're yeah. in. Self-inflicted, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, self-inflicted because, Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's like, okay, in order to us to get inflation back down, we need to have an adjustment in housing uh, uh, costs that will then bring things in, in line. And that is by rates coming down. And the matrix that the Bank of Canada uses to determine that um, is uh, looking at where inflation is right now. And I think they might be needing to make a, uh, a change or having some faith to start bringing rates down because they're going to look at the overall economy and see negative growth in the gross domestic product. And they don't want that. Well, to your point, if they wait till they it's too pronounced, it's too late because you've got that six month kind of gap of like the leading indicator versus like, okay, it's starting to go down. If we pull back now and again, lots of, you don't have to read too far to to not find a lot of um, uh, data on historical soft landing situations with this strategy that it totally misses the mark for at least a short period of time where the overlap gets too, too aggressive, right? We have so many different tools and measurements than what we had back in the eighties. When you Mm. hear rates hit 18%, um, they didn't have those tools back then. And it was more, Hey, watch things happen. And, and, um, the results were higher rates where now they're able to look at controlling money supply. They're looking at controlling rates. They're looking at being able to control how to qualify for a mortgage. And these things become very important to understand that there's more controls in the market now to help offset that risk of rates of 18%. And I do think that the Bank of Canada is going to go, okay, we've kind of stabilized uh, inflation. Um, Yes, when we factor out the cost of living for mortgage payments or rents have gone up, and you look at the real inflation, it's actually below 2%. I believe that it would make sense for them to slowly decrease rates, not drop them significantly, but be able to yeah, decrease them. This, and then, you get this weird rebound. Yeah. Yeah. And you get this market data that will support that they're doing the right thing. And then it's going to get to a point where they're going to go, we're at a, a, a happy medium where we're happy where rates are because the economy is sitting at where we need it to be in terms of its growth. And that is a very delicate situation and there's going to be um some trial and error that's going to happen (laughs) along with that and i think we'll hear rates are coming down rates are going up and it's going to be this push pull as we start to come to this um equilibrium where it uh, fits both sides Mm -hmm. Um, what what i'm also hearing is appreciate the fact that those exceptionally low rates were as much of an anomaly as we want the high rate to be right that there is somewhere in the middle that it's probably not going back to uh, as i look at this graph where it literally almost sits right at the zero line (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. And my my big thing when it comes to mortgages, you need to deal with a company that has the experience and will be able to direct you um, for your biggest purchase of your life for most people um, to spend the time and be able to advise you what is going on um, or share information what's going on in the market so you can make an informed decision. Um, so many people just go, oh, do an online application. That's it. Don't talk to anybody. Or they go into their their bank and they're dealing with someone that's three, six months on the job as a personal banker and they don't have that depth to be able to really get into the mortgage discussion with uh, with a client. And to circle it all the way back to what you said at the beginning, and it's the things, it's not the rate or the, the amortization or the, like, it's not those things that you're going to see. It's all the other hidden stuff. 35% need to move, break their mortgage in, within five, within three years. That's a powerful statistic. And those are the landmines that I heard you like really say at the beginning that you need to understand the full mortgage picture. But you search online, it's going to be a game of rates. You know, Everyone's throwing rates in your face on Google as I'm looking at a site right now that literally has rates plastered all over it. Yeah. But no one's talking about here's the, here's the fine print, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you've had people go and do motions to sue through the courts, the the banks on how they calculate penalties. It's a three months interest penalty or an interest rate differential charge, and with an interest rate differential charge, you're what that means is that as rates fall, your penalty is going to grow. And when you get a mortgage rate with a, a bank, what they do is they go, here's your client rate of um, 6%. This is what we're giving you. But the actual rate is 8%, let's say. And you go along in your life and you go, okay, I need to break my mortgage. They calculate what their current rates are versus what the the larger rate was oh, when the contract rate is called, which is at eight percent. You're like, what do you mean an eight percent rate? I paid six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're going, no, you. We gave you a discount of two percent to get to that six. We're going to penalize you're breaking you your now. contract, <laughs> and you're going to pay all that interest in a net present value dollar situation. Um, netted against where they're lending out money today. And that can be extremely expensive. Where our monoline lenders, um, what they do is they still calculate that interest rate differential charge or three-month interest penalty to be the greater of. But instead of having this high um, contract rate, what they're doing is they bench it off what your current rate they offered you and where rates are today or at the time you break your mortgage, and they come up with a net present value of interest that they would lose. So you end up getting a lot lower penalty um, than uh, than through a bank. And these are things that people don't think about. Um, they they need to really understand what the different options are in the, the market. Well, and to a certain degree, with degree of optics, you can calculate a lot of this in advance. Like, well, if I take a shorter term, I'm going to pay a premium, but I know it's done in three years. And I know that in three years, I might be moving or changing jobs or whatever, depending on my optics on my life. You can just run the math and go scenario A might be this, scenario B is this. And it really just comes down to, do I have access to as much information as I can get? For most of us, it's very overwhelming when, oh, you know, I don't love math or geez, I don't love, like a lot of people, I think create a... um, a confrontational relationship with numbers sometimes that actually can, they really can't hurt yeah. them in the long run. <laughs> yeah. One thing that we offer clients for no cost is we have a very powerful app that they can play on their phone and it runs 
scenarios. Run scenarios. I love those. Those are my favorites. You, you, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You know, lump sum payments to break your mortgage to um, what you qualify for. Um, and it puts it in a really cool report that is very easy to, to understand. And we do this for our clients regardless when, we, when we're doing the mortgage. And when you look at the comparison of what to do, it becomes very apparent very quickly what the right decision is because the numbers do speak for themselves. And that, uh, that it allows you to kind of red team your mortgage. Okay, well, if we were going to attack this, what we're about to do here, what could we find wrong with it? <laughs> but we don't do that. We don't exactly. think that way, right? We're so focused on getting the access to the capital. We don't always run the scenario, the what if, when things do go sideways. I appreciate the, the, that being a, a core tenant to your theme and to your value proposition as a business. It certainly shows through. Yeah, we our business is built on referrals, you know, and, and, and happy, yeah, yeah. And, and happy clients tell people, <laughs> and we we really try and go above and beyond to make the process quite simple and easy and educational. Um, and then um, when they get their mortgage, three years down the line, something could happen. They're like, oh yeah, we talked about this. Thirty five percent of them will like, call you. Will call you statistically, factually speaking. That's a. It's a big number. It is it's a, a big, big number. number. Yeah, I've kind of so, camped out yeah. on it because it kind of blew me away. I'm like, because there's oh, this might happen. No, no, thirty five percent of the time, actually, it happens. I love that. Actually, it's very powerful. Yeah. Versus, um, we get so caught up in the getting the access or the house or the bidding war or the just the moment of that next purchase. How do you extrapolate? Yeah. And humans, I think, we're notoriously bad at, or it's not our uh, always an innate skill to think into the future. And three years for most people is is an abstract time frame. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the other thing is that when you start to Google to get mortgage news and rates and stuff, it becomes very convoluted and cloudy. And being able to understand what controls the bank rate, what controls um, variable rates and fixed rates, they're two different, two different things. And it's very difficult to decipher that in articles that you start to read online. And that's why the best thing is to pick the phone up, give us a call, and we will be able to give you that uh, that snapshot of what's happening in the market. We can't predict what's going to happen in the future. But what we can talk about is what the landscape looks like today and what the right mortgage product would be for uh, for the client. I appreciate that. And certainly to read between yeah. the lines, you're seeing a more favorable move when it comes to the potential for rates to lower. So therefore, let's look at all the different means that we have if we think that that may or may not happen. Again, you don't have a crystal ball either. And I always preface that as a crystal ball question, but everything I'm reading certainly feels like, again, we're not going to go back to the basement rates that we saw back in 2020, 2021, but there could be some normalization, which I think is, I'm okay to be optimistic for, 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 for the middle ground. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, it always goes like you shake that bowl of sand. In my analogy, it will level out and find the 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 the, the happy medium, we'll call it. Um, but sometimes it takes a while to get there, and it can be painful. And I think people are experiencing the painful side right now when it comes to the cost of mortgages. But the good news is we're starting to move the pendulum in the the right direction based on what we're seeing uh, in the news and also more in the data that's coming into the economy and what the economists are saying. Yeah, very. 
it, it, it is complex. So again, hence why we need guides and experts in all, in all these areas. Ken, I really appreciate it. I was looking forward to ex- having pretty much exactly yeah. this conversation, not knowing where we were going to go, but it's such a complex topic, but it affects so many of us. That's the interesting thing about most times economics. If you're not into it, you can kind of ignore it. But when it comes to borrowing, when it comes to getting a home, it pulls a lot of people into this realm that it's a one or two time event for them uh, in a lifespan, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, uh, um, we're happy to help and uh, we predicate that um, knowledge is power and making a, an informed decision for the biggest purchase of your life only makes sense. You know? It sounds like it makes perfect sense when you say it that way. Um, so, hey, what's your preferred? Do you uh, go to your website, uh, check, reach out to you on LinkedIn? Like, wh- There's a million ways. What what do you prefer for people to get a hold of you guys? Hmm. Yeah, mortgagetree.ca. Um, okay, that is the, the best. We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. But um, our website is the the best way to uh, reach out to us. Fantastic. Ken, thanks for coming on. Thanks for your expertise. And uh, thanks for taking the time to share. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy to... uh do this again anytime. I was going to say we'll this do a, we'll we'll do a follow up in six months, but we'll do a quick fifteen minute. We'll get into the update zone versus the uh, global, yeah, exactly. geo, geopolitical and uh, talking about global. <laughs> you can you can keep the put some guardrails on this conversation for sure. But I appreciate going down the rabbit hole a little bit today. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 